say, let's see what the evidence is. And you've accessed archives to try and you know, see what you can find out to cast a new light on some of these myths. And I think that's been very useful and, and welcome activities. So I think over to you, and we can pick up on some of these threads in the discussion. Okay, thank you. But unlike places like Uruguay, Ecuador, Mexico, um, in Argentina, women were given the full right to vote in one go, which was by law 13010, which was adopted by the lower house on the 9th of September 1947 in Eva's presence. She had just recently come back from, from Europe a month earlier. And this was very much presented as, as a triumph for Eva. Uh, Beron promulgated the suffrage law on the 23rd of September and handed the document over to Eva at a public ceremony where she made a speech and said, you know, my hands are trembling as they touch the laurels that proclaim victory. Uh, here it is, my sisters, after a long history of struggles and hopes and then the propaganda mill, of course, kicked in full-time to attribute the women's vote to her virtually single-handedly. Um, her own newspaper, Democracia, called her the tireless worker who, with her tenacity and decided efforts, was able to mobilize in a single solid block the civic consciousness of the women of this country and obtain from Congress the sanction of this conquest. Well, I think some of the adjectives they used to describe her, like tenacious and tireless, are apt, but the rest of that statement leaves a lot to be desired, I think. And incidentally, it's worth pointing out that the province of San Juan gave women the right to vote in the 1920s under the governments of Federico and Aldo Caltoni. It was only San Juan, but um, there was a precedent in Argentina for women being allowed to vote, and... Uh, the precedent is also apt, I think, because um, the Cantonese decision to give women the right to vote was also kind of a blend of forward-thinking and self-serving ideas because they assumed quite rightly that most women would then vote for the Cantoni government, which indeed was one of, the, uh, one of the motives, if not the only one, of the Peron government. But leaving aside San Juan, and despite the official propaganda that Eva had single-handedly gained the women's vote, the question of women's suffrage in 1947 was hardly a new one. Uh, the women's movement began in the late 19th century, led mainly by upper-class professional women, many of whom were of Anglo-Argentine origin, people like Cecilia Grierson, Alicia Morio de Justo, Elvira Rausen, Lele de Piane, um, Julieta, Julieta Lanteri, who actually sued the government and was given the right to vote in 1911, uniquely. Um, <laughs> yes, it was, yes, personally. Um, yes, because she was, she was a doctor and, and a property holder. Um, all of these people were sort of well-to-do, well-educated people. The majority of them were among Argentina's first women doctors. And one of their key issues was that they, were found, they found that they were not allowed to practice medicine after they had graduated. So one of their main concerns about women's rights was being allowed to practice their profession, which unquestionably was not a concern for the vast majority of Argentine women who might have a primary school education at the time. They weren't universally agreed on women's suffrage either. And in fact, I think we need to remember that in the late 19th century, there wasn't even universal male suffrage in Argentina. There wasn't universal male suffrage until the Science Peña law in 1912. So to talk about women's suffrage was really kind of uh, futuristic, I think. 
um, and the early feminists, some of them were in favor of women's suffrage, some of them weren't because they thought it distracted from, from more important issues. Some of them felt that any women who were literate or who were property owners should be allowed to vote. There was the same kind of divisiveness that you tend to get in Argentine politics in many other areas, which tends to make it very difficult to get, um, to get movement behind issues like women's suffrage. But nonetheless, the first actual women's suffrage bill was presented in 1911 by the socialist senator Alfredo Palacios, and there were 13 more suffrage bills before, the, uh, before law 13010 was adopted in 1947. Um, as I say, I think the, the women's movement suffered a great deal from ideological splits, as did, as did the political parties that they were linked to either by marriage or by conviction. Most of them were socialists. Um, and I think like the Socialist Party generally, they came from, uh, they came from a socioeconomic background that was not that of the people whose interests they supposedly wanted to represent. Uh, that limited their um, it limited their um, importance for for those people to a large degree. Uh, the, I think it was about the ninth or tenth suffrage law was uh, was presented in 1932, and it stayed in a drawer for for many many years. As did a lot of socialist legislation. I think the, the women's suffrage vote also has something in common with other socialist legislation. The Socialist Party over the years managed to present and even pass a number of labor laws in Congress, but they weren't really implemented <coughs> under earlier governments. It was the Peron government and Peron as Secretary of Labor before he became president who came along and revived them and essentially appropriated a lot of socialist legislation. And I think that is to a degree true of the, the women's vote as well. And even, even within the Peron government, I don't think Evita was uh, really the original source of backing votes for women. Peron had already made clear that he was enthusiastic about this in 1943-44 when he entered the Secretariat of Labor, he actually created a women's division in the Secretariat. And um, that was in part designed to back his petition for a decree from the military government granting women's suffrage. Um, the, this, didn't, um, this didn't appeal to the um, women's movement in general, uh, as I say, being primarily upper class, largely people who voted for the Union Democratica in 1946. They didn't really want to receive the vote from, from a de facto government. They did not want to receive it from Peron. In mid-1945, it was rumored that women would be allowed to vote in 1946, and only one rather small group actually approached the Labour Secretariat and asked for a public meeting, which Peron attended and promised to work tirelessly in favor of women's suffrage, which was something that he enthusiastically supported. But a national women's assembly not long after that rejected the vote from a de facto government and called for the government to resign. So it's um, like many other things, I think there are elements of, um, of feminism and elements of socialism who it really struggled to be relevant to the, the sectors that they supposedly thought they represented. Whereas I think Eva, who certainly, I would never argue that she was a feminist in any normal sense, and indeed she 
constantly credited her husband with granting her and others dignity, but she had a resonance for, for a lot of women of her time that the previous feminist movement didn't have. Um, she had a great deal of, ex of experience of the specific problems of working class women. And uh, she was also admittedly for a country like Argentina, which is quite image conscious, uh, she was a more interesting icon for the working woman. She was young, she was glamorous, and uh, she didn't talk down to them from a great height. Uh, clearly, the fact that she constantly subordinated herself to her husband in public doesn't, uh, doesn't really square with a, a feminist line. But, um, but nonetheless, I think she went far beyond what was a traditional women's place, shall we say. And she encouraged other women to do the same. So I, think, I would argue that even though she wasn't really the... Um, she wasn't the impetus for the women's vote, but I think she gave women's political activity an opening and a content that it had never had before. Um, she did express support for suffrage. She started speaking in support in 1946, <coughs> primarily as uh, part of the concept that the vote was part of a woman's role in defending the home and the family but also because she felt that women's participation in the October 17th, 1945 demonstrations gave them some right that they had demonstrated their political commitment and they should have rights. And she probably also felt that perhaps she should have the right to vote for her husband, which she couldn't do in 1946. Um, so she did tend to see most political things in, in personal terms. So I think there would, would have been a personal element there, but I think she was also probably very clear that uh, the women who voted were probably going to vote for her husband. Uh, the, if you look at the archives of the British Embassy from the time, they also think that there was a, another ulterior motive that she was campaigning for women's enfranchisement because she saw herself as a possible Senate candidate in future and possibly also candidate for president once Peron had finished with, um, with his first term and possibly second term. While she was in Europe on her rainbow tour in 1947, she did speak in favor of women's suffrage several times in Italy. And I don't actually remember when the vote was granted in Italy. Um, ah, good point. But I don't think it had been by 1947. It will have been after that. I think it um, was after that. She did speak in favor of women's suffrage in Spain and in Italy, and I have a feeling that it was, uh, it was after that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank heaven for technology. <laughs> we hope that's the. Uh, but apart from uh, apart from anything else, I think I, I, it's also worth saying that, um, you know, as Maxine has pointed out, by the time of the Peron government, the international atmosphere was much more favourable to women's suffrage, and um, particularly, I suppose, in countries that had been through the war, precisely because the the Second World War did bring women out of home and into work much more that didn't have that effect in Argentina. But I think that the entire international environment was far more favorable to women's suffrage than it had been previously. So, you know, I think with, with or without Perón and Evita, the women's vote would have come somewhere around that time. I think yeah. I, it's trying to, yeah, I think trying to claim that it's really Evita's efforts, that I think it makes no sense.
And similarly, the, the Peronists had a huge majority in Congress at the time, so with Peron enthusiastic about the women's vote, it was not going to, um, it was not going to lose the congressional vote. In fact, 46, in, actually. 46, ah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. It's really yeah. than I would have thought. But still um, within that, yes. that sort of wave. Yes, well, I wonder how, there may have been a question as there was in Argentina of how many women were actually enthusiastic about voting in Italy that, yes. that early on. Um, but uh, no, in Congress in 1947, there was only one legislator in the lower house who argued against the bill, so, which he did on the slightly odd grounds that uh, the physiological conditions, quote-unquote, that affect women and not men would make it too onerous to make them go out to vote. Uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't enough to, to stop the process, strangely enough. Um, um, so, so I think you know, for uh, for the opposition, I think the fact that Eva uh, was given full credit for what was a very long, uh, long process must have been quite frustrating, even above and beyond the fact that they didn't care for her very much personally. And there were people who said, well, there were about eight draft bills already presented, and then one day the Peronist project came in and it was voted, and that was it. Um, and I'm sure they also shared the, the views of the British Embassy, which sent a great many messages to London during the period saying that, uh, that Eva was hoping to make use of the votes both for her husband and later for herself. Um, but I did look at quite a number of uh, comments by women at the time, which I thought were interesting because a lot, of, a lot of Argentine women were not terribly keen on the idea of voting. Uh, they thought that um, they weren't interested in politics, that maybe this wasn't something that they wanted to get into, but um, they were very clear that Eva did, um, did give it content and she was very clear about, uh, about what it meant. Um, uh, as somebody said, Evita was very clear, this is a vote and think carefully about what you do with it because you're choosing. And she herself said that there is a heavy responsibility, the responsibility of choosing or rather knowing how to choose. And it's very clear there's no question in anybody's mind who and what it was she thought they had to choose. Um, so I think, I guess I think what's... Um, Perhaps what she did with the vote, rather than actually the obtaining of the vote, is especially interesting because, again, her, her discourse was very much that women should occupy a fairly traditional role of taking care of, of the family and not, uh, not going out to work where possible because they would become too masculine and because women received less pay so they drove wages down. She really felt that what they should be doing is um, looking after uh, looking after the home, looking after how the husband voted, looking after things like uh, price gouging. Inflation was a very serious problem throughout most of the 1940s, the late 1940s, and she strongly encouraged women to go out and check on whether um, whether. Um, shops were uh, charging higher prices than they were supposed to, they should report them because in this way they were, uh, they were contributing to the cause. 
Um, clearly, uh, I mean, this is an anomaly if you consider this is a woman who had a very public and very political role, and yet her view was basically that women should be um, kind of stay-at-home housewives <coughs> and have a more traditional role. But I think it's it has a lot to do with the fact that I think her ideal would have been that women could have stayed at home, but she did know from personal experience that not all of them had that option and they had to have better options than they had had up to there if they needed to work. I mean, it's not an accident that she handed out thousands and thousands of sewing machines. This may not look like a very feminist attitude either, but it was an extremely practical one. Um, what could what could you give women to do that would allow them to earn money from home, that would allow them to save money? You gave them sewing machines, you taught them to sew the, um, the unidades básicas that were established for women by the, by the Women's Party also trained, they gave hairdressing classes, typing classes, secretarial training, as well as legal advice. I mean, the, the content was very much, you know, this is, not, uh, this is not what we perceive as feminist, but it is something that's very practical in terms of what can, what can women do if they need to earn money. And it was also practical from the point of view that women were very wary of political activity at the time. Men thought that women who were involved in politics were, um, were pretty much beneath contempt and a lot of women had similar views. So they felt better about approaching Unidades Básicas if they were going to have, um, if they were going to have uh, classes on hairdressing or something than if they were going for what looked more like political indoctrination. Um, so it was, uh, it, it's, it's revolution by a very low-key means, let's say. Um, but once the vote was, was granted, uh, I think you know, Eva came into her own as an organizer. As we all know, she, um, she put together a team of delegates who were sent to all 23 provinces and what were then territories to organize the women to take a census to put together the Unidades Básicas to help women get their, um, get their identity documents so that they would be able to vote, to put together an electoral role for women. And um, what, uh, what she managed to do in that, in that sense, I think, is fairly amazing because, well, let's, let's say that the, I don't think the Men's Parents Party ever had that level of, um, of organization. And this was organization from, from zero because women had not had the vote before. The hope was that 60 to 70% of the women that were surveyed would join the Women's Party and that most of them would vote for, for Perón. Um, by 1950, they had opened 3,600 Unidades Básicas mm. across the country uh, from a very, very small base. And as I said, they also taught useful things like literacy skills, uh, basic education, which not all women had had access to. A lot of the emphasis was on home and on social work, but, um, but nonetheless, it, was, it identified a public role for women that they had not really had before. And in 1951, Eva, of course, as we know, was not able to be a candidate herself, but women not only voted for the first time in 1951, the Peronist Party presented six women candidates for the Senate and 23 for the lower house in 1951, all of whom were elected. 80 women were elected to provincial legislatures. Uh, this was, 
this was not something that women could have considered doing before. Um, 2.4 million of the 3.8 million women who were registered voted for Perón in the presidential elections. Possibly, I think, to a large degree, they were voting for Eva more than they were voting for Perón, but, um, but nonetheless. Uh, one, of the, um, one of the women who was elected to Congress, Anna Macri, later said that Evita introduced women to politics, opened the doors to a new life of hopes and realizations that elevated their role as mothers and wives to political life on a par with men. Uh, we're still putting mothers and wives very much to the fore there, but, um, but nonetheless, I think this is, uh, I, I think her, her contribution lies there rather than actually here gaining the women's vote, which was something which I think was fairly inevitable. And she did inspire a great deal of loyalty. A lot of women really wanted to co collaborate with Eva rather than with the party itself or with Peron. And I think she's, uh, in that respect, I think she's been, uh, she's still been a sort of um, example of the women, of a woman's role in public life in Argentina. I can't think of anybody else who is as clearly identified with it, and possibly as a result of that, she's probably still more, um, she still attracts more ire than Peron did. I think he, she managed to deflect a certain amount of hatred away from him towards himself. Uh, I love one comment in uh, Lilia Lardone's book of interviews. Uh, it reminds me very much of my mother-in-law, but this one woman said, every, every time my mother-in-law, who was anti peronist went to my house, she would grab the fly spray and spray it at Eva's photo. <laughs> so so this, this, this is something that, um, this is something that I think women feared as well, which is why she, treaded, she treaded, trod rather carefully in uh, inventing a women's role in politics, it had to be somewhat um, carefully, carefully done to avoid attracting that kind of hatred. But I think that, uh, you know, she didn't bring the vote, but I think she did create a public role for women that, uh, that is still there. And I think it hasn't been, it hasn't been surpassed. No, so, no thank um, you, Jill. That's absolutely... Yes.